Hello and welcome to the Manchester Is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fair, and I'm joined today by Samuel Luckhurst for the last podcast of a very strange year covering Manchester United. It's been a strange year for a number of reasons, and perhaps the fitting finale is that United, out of all the odds, are somehow in a title race. Second in the Premier League, they beat Wolves uh, on the 29th of December. We're recording this on the 30th. Samuel, welcome today. Uh, last time we did a podcast, we said that in a, week, in a week's time, we'll know if United are title pretenders or title contenders. And after be, after drawing with Leicester, beating Wolves in dramatic circumstances, United fans might be dreaming of a Premier League title trophy, tri, title lift rather in 2021. You might give us a bit more of a reality check now, but uh, what do you think <laughs> the mood should be with United fans as they end the year? The win against Wolves was grim, but a win's a win. United up to second, only two points off Liverpool. They've got a game in hand, they will do once Liverpool play against Newcastle. That's against Burnley. United are in a title race, whether Solskjaer likes it or not. They have every right to be upbeat, defiant, bullish, whatever word you want to use. Uh, the way they're going at the moment, it's, it's pretty remarkable after... 15 games, they've got as many wins as Liverpool, who at the time we're talking, have played the same number of games that they're playing Newcastle this evening. Uh, I mean, I don't think I was on that podcast last week because I, I had a few days off, but I, I am going to be one of those people. I, I would neither say they are contenders or pretenders just yet. I, I actually agree with Solskjaer that at this stage, it is probably too early. Certainly in in the pieces I've been writing at games, not at games, I've I've been I've pretty much downright refused to refer to United as as title challengers because it, it, it's too premature in the season. Yet I, I think the schedule has thrown people because normally when you're just about to enter a new year, teams have played half their games, and that is more or less a fair time to you know look at the state of play and say who who are also runs who could be pushing close this time last year it was a fair complete who's going to win the league but there's a big difference between 15 games and 19 games and you know United's uh 17th game I think in the league is due to be is at Anfield I think that is going to be the game and I said this a couple of weeks ago but maybe not on a podcast I've always that's kind of been the game that's been circled in the calendar that I think you be able to get a proper gauge of whether United are going to keep up with Liverpool or they're just going to fall away and the best case scenario is that they finish runners-up which given how they went going into the season it, it wouldn't be achievement as such but if they were to finish second in the league this season there's another measure of progress there moving into the third year um, Solskjaer would obviously still be imposed as well regardless of whether he doesn't win a trophy and then it's all on are you going to win the title in this third season part of the three-year plan I guess um, and I think looking at the team at the moment you'd probably say they need three first team signings in summer it's very doubtful that they'll get any of those players in, in January uh, although they've got Bruno Fernandes in, in January I, I think you've just got to dismiss that as a bit of a freakish signing really especially given the numbers he's had but in terms of the the Wolves game I mean we were all just resigned to another goalless game between United and Wolves it was as I tweeted at half time it was I think um what was it the, the sixth goalless half between the teams this season you know the fact that they played each other three times in the first 32 days of the year was a portentous harbinger for what a largely dreadful year it's been for everyone as well I guess uh but they they found a way and you know, Solskjaer never tires of mentioning these margins and 
last night, Fernandez spots Rashford, takes a pump with a long ball that comes good. Should have been probably should have been cleared by the Wolves defender, but he just gets caught underneath it. Rashford probably should have passed it, doesn't, gets his shot off, huge deflection, and it's it's a winning goal. Uh, it, it was just a, it was very very strange for a number of reasons because I think one everybody was just resigned to it ending goalless, so. When it was a goal, it was almost like there was this delayed reaction. There was even a delayed reaction on the United bench, actually, possibly because there are no supporters to confirm that it is actually a goal. Um, and, and also just normally when United score in the 93rd minute, I think on match of the day, they said it was their, their latest winner at Old Trafford since um, Owen's goal against City in, in 2009. Uh, it's sheer euphoria. And the last time Old Trafford was full with supporters it was roaring um you know it was that unbelievable roar after McTominay had scored the clincher in the derby and this was the polar opposite so even though it was a huge win a vital win uh, a real terrific show of character from United and perseverance paying off you just couldn't really and I say this in a professional capacity you couldn't really buzz off anyone to feed that into the match piece because Nobody was there really to. You couldn't really gauge it at all. I think the the most reliable gauge, if anything, was Fernandez's reaction that was picked up by Amazon when he just wheels away and kind of almost takes out Luke Shaw when he runs towards him during during celebrations. And I, I imagine a lot of living rooms were like that um, in United households. Yeah, maybe a moment of sheer relief really for that as well. That they they did come good in the end. Uh, Solskjaer made six changes from the side which uh, had last played. You know, there's always going to be a rotation. It maybe was telling the players who, who retained their places really. They maybe you would say are oh, those sort of undroppables who who Solskjaer has at the moment. The players that he really trusts. One of the big decisions had to come in defence of Victor Lindelof sidelined. Eric Bailly came in. Bruno Fernandez after the game on social media said Bailly was his man of the match we saw maybe a few moments where Bayer was a bit out of position but he has that pace he has the mobility and a good reading of the game to actually make up for some of his mistakes similar to what Mambasaka does when you know he's maybe out of position but times tackles well and there's that particular interception on on half time from Bayer which seemed to stop a certain goal and you know if Lindelof had been fit you, you wonder if he would have actually uh yeah. covered the ground just as, as Bayer did uh you know it's back line you know another clean sheet the confidence seems to be up and some decent saves from uh David here throughout the encounter just how big a deal did it get is United not only to win but to, to keep a clean sheet as well well given the amount of goals they've conceded in the league this season it's it, it is encouraging for them that they've had a few shutouts at Old Trafford now I think it's was it West Brom Chelsea City and and the Wolves game not a lot of goals in those games either which um, is is the other side of the coin I guess and bar that anomalous win against Leeds which was just you know them being, I mean, I, I, you know, United were ruthless. Be careful what you extent, say here, Samuel. But, they might clip it. <laughs> United were ruthless to an extent, but they they should have scored like ten goals, and it was you know just uh, some people were you know fating Gelser for essentially trying to lose by a record margin in the Premier League, where it was just pure tactical anarchy. United should have won by about ten goals in that game. Other than that, they've they've struggled to break teams down. I think we both. Myself and Tyrone, who was kind of like so on my on the same desk, but socially distanced, of course. Um, after about ten minutes, we kind of like looked at each other, thinking that this was going to be a long night because there was a cross that came in from Tellers for Cavani, which was easy for Patricio to gather. Uh, but in that six-yard box that 
Cavani was in was were also three Wolves defenders. They were very, very regimented and resolute. I, I suspect the fact that they had a game two nights earlier, whereas United had a day and a half more to prepare, having kicked off uh, at half 12 on Boxing Day. That that made the difference in the end. In the last 20 minutes, Wolves looked extremely fatigued. United looked the fresher side. Uh, the changes Solskjaer had made uh, had helped uh, before the game and during the game. I think Luke Shaw played very well, and that that bodes well in terms of the defence and that they are that there have been some good individual performances. Like I think Shaw's had a reasonable season overall. He certainly benefited and kicked on from the competition that Tellers has provided. I think by it's, it's an interesting one because he. he he started his third straight game for United last night for the first time since March 2018, which really isn't a surprise. If anything, you probably thought it was longer ago than that. And that's always the acid test for him. He's too brittle. And the other issue with Bay is that he's extremely haphazard. And there was a careless lapse pretty early on last night that I think led to a routine De Gea save. But what he does illustrate by is that United need an athletic centre-half next to Maguire. And I know some Scandinavian fans will tire of me saying, why is it Maguire? Why is it not Lindelof? Well, United have invested £80 million in Maguire and he's the captain. So he would have to have, and I know he had a very bad run of form at the start of the season, but he'd have to have the particularly egregious period of form for Solskjaer to consider taking him out of the side over Lindelof. And he's been extremely loyal to Lindelof as it is as well. Um, and and the, look, the numbers kind of flatter Lindelof. Before last night, he'd only missed four league games since the start of last season. And United lost three of them. And the only win at Chelsea uh, was was underpinned by by a back three rather than Maguire and Bailly or Maguire and, and Axel Tuanzebi. But I do think that Maguire and Lindelof, it's just too one-paced um, a partnership. Lindelof has, has merits as a defender. He was certainly, I'd say, United's best player in, in 2018-19, but he has had a poor 18 months, and that's not me being anti-Scandinavian or anti-Viking, whatever this the nonsense that some Scandinavian fans email me. And there was a bit more nonsense that I received on, on Monday morning, uh, which was uh, amusing and disturbing in, in, in different aspects. But the fact of the matter is Lindelof has not been playing well for the majority of the last 18 months. I don't think Bai is necessarily the solution. I think he's got to do an awful lot more to suggest that he's, you know, the partner for Maguire between now and the end of the season, never mind beyond this season. But given the interest in certain centre-halves like Meccano, Baran is still a player they like, uh, it's, it's completely understandable given that they do need that speedy presence to cover Maguire at times. Yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, Samuel, you always got to maybe take every good buy performance with a pinch of salt because I think we said earlier in the season when Bayer was playing quite well then Tottenham, that we yeah. sort of pin, we pinpointed the Tottenham game as one where he might come <laughs> stuck and it happened again. So it's maybe another false storm of Bayer, but you've got to ride the wave when, when you're on top of it. And, you know, Bayer's been excellent. So we shall wait and see what uh, the new year holds for him. Um, in terms of the rest of the selection that had made, I know that speaking after the game, Maguire praised uh, Matic and Pogba for their defensive work as well. You know, it was two sides who were well drilled defensively, even if it meant there was very little in an attacking sort of aspect. But going into the new year, United's squad depth obviously gives them an advantage over most sides. Um, they've still got a squad which is bloated, a squad with some obvious players who, who need to leave and who don't have a place. So before United can even think about bringing new players in, 
you know, some players have to leave naturally. But in terms of going forward with their best 11, do you think Solskjaer is anywhere closer to, to finding out whose best 11 is after this festive period? Because we've seen so many different players utilised and still doesn't, I still wouldn't be confident to name you know, that's best 11, particularly the midfield setup. They both sort of have positives and negatives going for them. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes starts, but what did you make of the Matic-Pogba partnership? Do you think they've done enough to maybe get back up on the same level as Fred and McTominay? Probably not. I think the mid, there was a lot of mitigation around uh, his selections. It, it was a fine line between excessive rotation, sensible rotation. I think in the end, the, the changes he made, apart from Tellers, who, uh, much to most people's surprise, was was actually a tactical substitution at halftime rather than an, an enforced removal. Uh, the, the majority of the changes he made were were were, um, were vindicated. I thought Pogba got better as the game wore on. Matic, for someone who is you know, pretty cumbersome um, most of the time, I thought shackled Triori uh, extremely well a couple of times and that's that's just his understanding I think of that defensive discipline and positioning himself in the correct way uh, being quite canny at times and Pogba I mean Solskjaer touched upon it afterwards they, they moved him higher up and I think he was better when he was playing further forward certainly in the first half Solskjaer told Fernandes to, to play higher up because I think he was clearly concerned that the Cavani was getting isolated and he was isolated for, for most of the game. When Fernandes did offer that support, uh, he, he should have scored from, from Greenwood's cross in the first half that, that Patricio was uh, you know saved quite easily. Uh, but in terms of the, the first 11, I'd still say Fred McTomney and Fernandes is, is the way forward because it's a formula that works. It's a formula that Solskjaer trusts. I think elevating Pogba to first team status is just just very risky given the situation there. It's very apparent that he wants to leave and he probably will leave in the summer. I think that's best for all parties. If Manchester United can maximise the best of Paul Pogba between now and the end of the season, then brilliant. That that works out well for them. And if Pogba ends up leaving with with the Premier League title, it's it's almost as if it's even you know it's even happier circumstances that he's leaving on rather than in 2019 where it's quite fraught. And he, he I think at the end of the game against Cardiff, a couple some supporters at the Stretford end were giving him dogs abuse really, and then he was very vocal about wanting to leave that summer. So it, it could end on a happier note for him, but certainly there are. I think the three key positions, certainly some of the key positions, but if you think about the right wing, the defensive midfielder and the second centre-back next to Maguire, you'd arguably say they are the three key areas they need to strengthen in the summer with first-team starters. Now, Diallo and Palestri are two right wingers who they've um, agreed deals for, who they've signed, who could come good, but they're, they're rookies, they're teenagers. Palestri hasn't even played for the first team. He might get a chance next week against Watford. You see that as a game that's an opportunity to give him his debut. Diallo, a bit of an unknown quantity there, but he's someone who's extremely highly rated um, by those who have who've watched him in Italy. So we'll see what happens there. But they they pretty much do still need someone ready-made to go into that attack on the right-hand side. I think Greenwood is, is going to end up more central in the future. And he's, he's had a, a difficult second season, second full season, I should say, to say the least. But at the moment, I, I'd say in terms of nailed on starters, you're probably looking at Wan-Bissaka, Shaw, Maguire, De Gea, Fred. I'd still say McTominay, Fernandez, Rashford. 
Marshall or Cavani, I think there's an element of rotation there. Cavani's had a better season than, than Marshall overall. They've both got the same number of goals. Marshall has, you know, it's been a very fitful season ever since he got sent off against Tottenham and his confidence has, has been up and down to say the least. So there are a couple of, sorry, there are probably about four vacancies there with all positions up for grabs for someone to really nail down. But I think at this time of the year where the games are coming every three days, it's not the it's not the best time to make that judgment. Maybe Anfield will be um, on the 17th of January, particularly if United don't play um, in, in that free midweek where they could legitimately play their game in hand against Burnley. Yeah, I saw you put that on Twitter as well before, so I'll be adjusted to see if you know, would want to play Burnley and maybe have the momentum of what a win could be at Turf Moor to set them up for Anfield with a bit of rotation or whether you want to be as fit as possible for that for that meeting, which, like you said, will maybe give us a clear indication of exactly where this United side are. But one thing which is certain, United will finish 2020 second place in the Premier League. Maybe only a bit of a brief one here for you, Samuel, but how would you evaluate uh, United's year in total under Solskjaer? It's been a year, you know, we've seen United now reach four semi-finals of cup competitions. They haven't got through any of them. They did get the bare minimum of Champions League qualification. The signing of Bruno Fernandes transformed the club. Um, Solskjaer's still in charge. United's season you know, has been one maybe of progress, but again, it's maybe a year where we will see the, the fruit bear from next in, in 2021 of just how good they are because it's easy to say this has been a maybe a, a year a calendar year of a stepping stone for United and continued progress but it'll count for nothing unless they actually build upon it again going into 2021. It's, it's been a progressive year even though they've they've not won anything as you said the fact that they've I mean they've got another semi-final coming up next week uh, provided Manchester City can fulfil that fixture and finishing I think third was always the best case scenario in the league last season, even though, it's, I mean, nobody at United is going to be, was ever going to be putting up the bunting, them finishing third, but it was kind of like a, a best of the rest spin that they were able to put on that. Uh, their metal, obviously, in the semi-finals is going to be tested, uh, coming up against City again in what's a, a straight knockout tie. So that, that level of jeopardy is even greater than than it is over two legs, uh, which is usually the case in in the League Cup. Fernandez is it's it's not even blasphemous to compare him to Cantona. His, his impact, his numbers are extraordinary. When he is underperforming, he's still performing as he did against Wolves. It's you know when when the goal went in and you check the monitors to see who provided the pass. I think all of us could have guessed who played it without even checking. And of course, it, it was another assist for him. Just just an extraordinary purchase. And I think it's safe to say that next year won't be a write-off for him. He, I mean, he's well into this season and he's sustained his form. He's scored more goals already than last season. He's just been a hell of a buy. Uh, certainly one of the best buys United have made, I'd say. I think it's safe to say this century, never mind the last 10 years or since Ferguson left or anything like that, I think he's he's well and truly up there with players like Vidic, Evra, Van Persie, um, you know, Carrick, that Ronaldo in 2003 was another one, of course, uh, Van Nistelrooy in 2001. So he's, he's, he's you know, he's, he's in that company, even though he's not got the medals to show that, that a lot of those players have um, or had from their time at United. And as I said, it's it's kind of like shaping up to be a bit of a three-year plan with Solskjaer in that if they don't win the league this season, then I, I, my gut feeling is that they will still feel, fall 
quite a way short purely because it's just such a freakish campaign that I think people can be lulled into a full sense of security. Everton were second um, last week, which kind of beg a belief really when you consider they've, they've been rather inconsistent of late. Uh, but that's just the way the league has gone this season. It's it's probably never going to truly settle down for another couple of months. And as I said earlier, I, I still think that Anfield game is key to really determining whether United have got got it in them to really push push Liverpool close, even though Liverpool have got injuries to contend with. But it is shaping up quite favourably for them going into 2021, even though they're back in the Europa League and. With that, there comes the issue of Thursday, Sunday games in what's already a crammed campaign. So that that momentum, that rhythm, that routine that they um, are going to go back to, uh, which can be very difficult to to handle, is going to be another uh, test they have to face. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point you make there as well, Samuel. I think some fans need to remember. I mean, as Sojo said last night, 15 games of the season, it's not halfway, so you've got to take that reality check. But the Europa League as well, that is such a kick in the teeth. And, you know, we often see teams struggle to to deal with that Thursday, Sunday turnaround every single week. And you do worry that United could lose their momentum there. If they get a difficult Europa League opposition, a tight draw, then, you know, you, you get to the stage where Solskjaer might have to prioritise the Europa League over the Premier League or at least make the decision and who knows what, what will happen. There's still a hell of a long way left in the season. Who would have thought when we saw United get absolutely thrashed by Spurs that a couple of months later they would be second in the Premier League and, and ahead of Jose Mourinho's side anyway. But uh, like I said, we shall wait and see what 2021 holds and we have an early start to that one for us. Uh, United kick off against Aston Villa on New Year's Day. Aston Villa, perhaps one of the most consistent sides this season and definitely in terms of their level of performance as well um they've been fantastic of course the game against liverpool is the one that stands out the most but villa you know they are for me they've been more impressive than everton and leicester probably because they have just risen so high this season and they've really got a good style of of, of play and we saw last year when villa came to old trafford they really went for the jugular they showed no respect to united so you sense it'll be a bit of a different one than the, the wolves game was villa maybe will be a bit more expansive look to play on the break a bit more and get in behind united what are you expecting from villa on new year's day samuel i think it'll be a very very difficult game for united i said uh, going into this week that i i didn't I didn't see United winning both of these home games and obviously they were a couple of minutes away from another draw with Wolves and it really wouldn't surprise me if, if Villa takes something from Old Trafford. They're, they're in good form, they had a good result um, at Stamford Bridge the other night. They're a vastly uh, superior side than they were last season. I mean, at the risk of sounding like Karen Carney and what she said about Leeds, but the pandemic did them a favour. It allowed them to recalibrate it's, I mean, it's it's quite it's quite upsetting really for Dean Smith in that, you know, his his father obviously died from coronavirus, um, and I think he, given the state he was in, I think he was suffering from dementia. He wasn't even uh, lucid to what his son was doing. He was a boyhood fan in in getting Villa promoted back to the Premier League, but the pandemic seems to have benefited Villa um, more than, than most other clubs there. Their style is um, is very watchable. They're, um, you know, they've, they've scored lots of goals this season. Keeping Jack Grealish uh, has been a huge coup, despite the, the likelihood of that after they, they stayed up and the fact that in this in this time the pandemic, no club was ever going to be able to fork out or justify spending £80 million 
on a player uh, like him. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to like about them. I certainly think that they've got got it in them to to finish in the top ten this season. I think that's that's something that they should realistically be aiming for. They've they've made some good signings. I think Martinez was a very shrewd purchase in the summer. It was I think maybe surprised quite a lot of people because he was a regular at Arsenal at the time and started in the FA Cup and it was almost as if patience had persevered there because he had been on Arsenal's books for so long but you know Villa tested Arsenal's resolve um, made a fair bid got the player and he's improved them and they've sorted out that goalkeeping situation because that was a big issue for them last season they eventually ended up with with Pepe Reina coming in on loan but they I can't remember who the goalkeeper's name was in the Sheffield United game when he carried it over the line and was reprieved by the VAR malfunctioning. But that, you know, that's another sliding doors moment that could have been the difference between them going down and and staying up. But those, some of those key areas that were massive chinks in their armour last season, they've they've addressed and they, you know, the manager's doing well there now and he, he deserves it after the year he's had with his with his father passing away. Yeah, like I said, that's how you wouldn't be surprised if Villera turned up to Old Trafford like they did last season and stole the show, really. And, you know, that probably was the game for me anyway, where, you know, Jack Grealish really did announce himself as a, a top sort of yeah. calibre Premier League player as well. He, he he had the sort of arrogance of confidence and and ability that made him look like maybe the type of player United needed. But as you said, Bruno Fernandes has come in and answered many of those issues for United. Uh, maybe final little one, you know, January transfer window's just around the corner. What do you honestly expect from United in January? Obviously the club uh, expecting and hoping that the Ahmed Diallo work permit will be approved and that deal will go through and be officially announced. Although he might have a bit of a palestry welcome where he's in an under 23s and eased into life in a English football. So United might not look too different by the end of the January transfer window. No, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, with, with Moises Caicedo, there are a lot of agencies, intermediaries, agents who um, are trying to get involved, are involved in that one. Uh, United want to do that deal in January, whether it happens or not remains to be seen. It's it's a lot more complicated than just saying, than United saying, look, we, we really want to sign this unknown Ecuadorian from this unknown uh, Ecuadorian club, as if, you know, it should be as simple as that. But it really isn't. I mean, I, I must confess, I hadn't heard of the player or, or Independiente del Valle, which I believe is the pronunciation um, of, his, of his parent club. But you look at his pedigree and he's quickly established himself as an international, a starting international for for Ecuador and seems likely to participate at the Copa America in the summer as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, whether he does come to United, how he does. Uh, particularly given that you know it's it's a it's a big shift in transfer strategy from, from United in going after these kind of like top tier uh, teenagers around the world like Palestri, Diallo, and um, and Caicedo. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. You would expect there will be outgoings with Rojo and Romero's situations. The fact that I mean, Romero's not in any of the squads, he can't play at all. Um, this season because he was admitted he wanted to leave in the summer um, it didn't happen You would, despite the fact that United could hold out for quite a big fee for someone who has got immense credentials as a goalkeeper he's out of contract at the end of the season they, they don't want to be in a position of extending that just to obtain a fee they would ideally like to get rid of him now Rojo's a tough sell and has been a tough sell pretty much the whole time he's been at United ditto Phil Jones who 
I think United have resigned to keeping him until the summer just because he's he's still injured and it wouldn't surprise you if Solskjaer comes out later on this week and says, oh, Phil Jones will be back in February now, having first said he'll be back in December and then January, you know, it's... Mourinho said at his last press conference United that there are players who are permanently injured. I think it's pretty clear who he meant by that. There's a bit of a decision to make with Timothy Fossey Mensa, uh, given that he's he's into the last six months of his contract now. United have offered him a new contract. He's weighing up his options. United see him as kind of like a you know, cost-efficient backup player who can play at right-back or centre-back or left-back or a midfield, just a utility squad player. Um, I think, realistically, they should just be looking to obtain the fee for him in January. He's not played a lot of football this season, and even with uh, benches being expanded again he's he's not getting a look in and then of course you know on that note Jesse Lingard was back out of the squad uh, last night because Juan Mata was available again which comes as no surprise it's, it's going to be a year on New Year's Day since he last started in the Premier League Sheffield United are interested in a loan deal there I, I have my doubts whether they would be able to finance that on, on United's preferred terms but Lingard really does need to be pushing for a move away from United in January, be it permanently or on loan, because his time's up at the club now. I think Solskjaer's made that decision. Um, and again, he's he's coming into the last six months of his contract, but there is a plus one option, which you'd imagine United will will trigger, given that um, there is resale value there, despite the fact that he's had another... I mean, it's, it's pretty much been two Anas Horribilis on, on the bounce for it on the bounce for him he's, he's it's just not picked up whatsoever over the last 18 months yeah you might have so many players up for sale that they might have to phone into milan very soon and see what yeah. sort of deal they can do but free for two or something who knows just buy one get one free just get rid of them like we said united squad is already bloated so maybe they were out to check for some of the fans as well and if you listen to this is united need to get rid of players before they can even think about bringing in anyone who who will actually affect the first team of course there's got to be a bit of mitigation with some of the players who are who are younger and go into the under 23s and, and settle as well as a bit of a different sort of ball game with them but that's all for the Manchester Red podcast today and that is all for 2020 so thank you to each and every one of you who has listened to us throughout the year thank you as well Samuel for, for joining us throughout the year thank you Rich and a happy new year to you in advance and to everyone yeah, else yeah and a happy new year to everyone who listens. Who knows what 2021 will hold for United, but we can assure you we'll be there every step of the way. We will be back again, who knows, maybe early next week to uh, reflect on the weekend's match against Aston Villa. And we will look ahead, of course, to the Manchester derby and then that FA Cup game against Watford as well. The games come thick and fast. We'll be there with you every step of the way. Please do leave a like, subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you again next time.